Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. If you're able to, would you join me in standing as we read God's Word together? Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We're going to begin a new series this morning on the life of Abraham for the rest of the summer. And for a couple reasons uh, that I want to look at this section of Scripture with you. Um, one is because I want you to think about this church as a place where people can become a Christian and at the same time grow in their faith as a Christian. Sometimes those things are separate where you feel like uh, becoming a Christian has to be in some sort of arena, like a conference or some sort of rally, but the church is a place is actually only for Christians that you grow. But uh, you, you want to think about this place in this time as, people, as a place for people who are investigating faith, who are looking into faith for the first time, and as a place where you can take your faith that maybe you have believed in and embraced for a long time and grow and flourish and grow deeper in it. And there's almost no better place to look at in the Bible than the life of Abraham, because Abraham's life is just filled with so many amazing moments where God works and so many amazing moments where you think, how can this guy have ever known God? And yet God is still present with him and works in his life and around his life. Now, why is it compelling for you to want to live and, and or listen to the life of Abraham? Look, there's almost nobody in the history of the world who's more known, maybe outside of Jesus, than Abraham. The great religions of the world, even Islam and Judaism, along with Christianity, all looked to this man as a significant part of their life and what they believe. And you can't make sense of the New Testament in any way without looking at this man. And the reason is because Abraham lived a big life. Who he was and what God did with him, I mean, think about this. Do you know who the richest person in the world was in 1894? Neither to me. I don't know who that was. But here's Abraham, 
4,000 years later and we're still talking about him. And we're still looking at him and we still think it's worth spending half the summer looking at this man. This is a big life. And his life begins and becomes big in this moment, in this text, when God calls him. And here's what I want to look at you this morning is about the call of God on your life. So let's look at four things from this text on the call of God that begins with Abraham. One, let's look at the call. Two, let's see the radical nature of this call. Then three, let's see the purpose in the call. And then four, let's find the power for the call. First, uh, let's see the call. So we didn't read it, but if you look at the end of chapter 11, what happens in that chapter is there's this famous story about the Tower of Babel, and then it ends with this genealogy that comes from the family of Seth that ends with Abram, and it ends very bleakly. Here's why it's bleak. So it ends with the family of Terah, who's the father of Abram, and it says Uh, that Terah was uh, living in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, why is that significant? Well, the book of Joshua tells us in 24, chapter chapter 24, verse 2, that Terah and his fathers worshiped idols. And what we know about that country is that the main idol was a god who was of the moon called Nana. The Akkadian name for Nana was the word sin, So in their own language, their God was called sin. And what they did is they worshiped the moon and thought this was the power that created the heavens and the earth and that guided and gave meaning to life and gave guidance to life. They thought the changing of the moon was the following of the pattern and philosophy of the world. And the line that comes from Seth and from Noah is now worshiping this kind of God. This is the last family in the world who knows where God is, and this is what they're doing. And then it also tells us that this family has a son named Abram, and he marries a woman named Sarah, and it says, but she is barren. So you have this family line that once knew God and is now worshiping idols, and it's going to end because the woman is barren. But everything changes here in chapter 12 when God comes to call Abram. Now, what's fascinating is it says in uh, verse 3, when he calls Abram, Abram is 75 years old. Now, think about this. You're reading a biography of a man and know nothing of the first 74 years of his life. And you know what the Bible says to it? You don't need to know. It's, It's not important. It's almost like the first 74 years of his life are like a preface to an entire biography because the real story begins here, now, in this moment when God calls him, which tells us a little bit about what it means to be called. Here's what it means to be called by God. What it means to be called by God is it means the story of your life now takes on a whole new meaning, a whole new purpose, and a whole new direction because of this God that you know. And that's so different from how many people in this culture want to think about spirituality and religion. Here's how most people want to think about spirituality and religion. When something hard happens in your life or something doesn't go the way that you want to go, what, you get a little bit spiritually curious. You begin to ask questions. You begin to read. Somebody gives you a book. You go to a conference. And how most people want to think about it is how do I fit what this God promises and offers me into my ongoing life? 
How do I connect these two? And what the call of God says is you can't do that at all. It says this is a brand new story. Everything beforehand, you've got to wipe that clean. You've got to start brand new. You've got to get a whole new whiteboard and begin your story now. And you've got to embrace that both personally and with grace. Let me show you what I mean. Personally, look, Abraham, his family is amazing in the Bible. He's a direct descendant of Noah, which up to this point in the book of Genesis is possibly the most significant person that God has worked through in and around the world. And if you go to the New Testament and you read the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, you realize that Abraham is his father. So on both sides of his family, he's got us all beat. This is about the most significant spiritual family that's ever been done, and yet it means nothing for him until he personally meets God. See, it wasn't enough that Abraham had parents and he had great descendants that were going to have significant relationships with God. He himself had to meet it. Now, there's a lot of you who your parents grew up in this church or around this church or your brother brought you to this church, and they have faith, but you sit there and wonder, are these things real? Or they've never meant anything to you. And you you know what? It will never, ever, ever go anywhere for you until you meet him personally. That the call can't just be something abstract. It's got to meet you personally in your life. Now, what does it look like for the call of God to meet you personally? It looks like the God of the universe and who he is and what he has said going from abstract to real from idealistic to practical, it it looks like in your life, when you begin to see that God controls the world and that He loves you by grace and forgives all of your sins, you know what it does to you? You begin to connect it to parts of your life. You begin to think things like, "Why why are my emotions so angry all the time? Or why, if God says this, and he has promised this to me, then why why am I so envious of all of these people around me? Why do I have to have their life in order to be content and to feel full in life? See, when those things are happening, here's what's happening. This God that you've heard about for a long time, that other people sang about, that you've heard idealistic is beginning to be your God. And he's beginning to be your story. He's beginning to shape where you are going in life. But to make it personal sometimes, you also got to know how that meets you in grace. See, Abram was, was very religious. He'd grown up probably being instructed in this uh, Akkadian religion of the god Nan. But the god of Nana, how you would connect to him is that you would go to him. You would speak to him. You would make sacrifices to them. But you know what it says here in this text? There is no part where Abraham says, you know, I'm really looking. I'm really wondering, God, are you out there? Is this real? Are you a thing? There is no part where Abraham is even searching for God at all. He's going about his merry life. He's going about doing life as he knows to go do it. He's sitting in his own little story, and God comes right after him. It says in verse 7 that Abraham made a sacrifice and it built an altar to worship him. You know why? Because in the very previous verse, in verse 6, it says that God appeared to him. See, in every other religion, 
Here's how religion works. If you want to get spiritually curious and make sense of your life and find a purpose and meaning in life, then you've got to go find it. You've got to go look into that. You better pull up your bootstraps and you better get really spiritually and morally serious and go pursue that. But in the God of Christianity, the God that calls you, you don't go after him. He comes after you. And he begins to pursue you. And you begin to realize that there's nothing about you that drew him in other than he wanted you all. And when you begin to do that, when you begin to understand the reason that God wants you is just because he wants you, that's when the call is becoming yours. I I remember uh, the end of my college career, like I, I had been around some Christians who meant well, but they hurt me. All they talked about was basically, hey, are are you keeping up with this? Are you serious enough? Do you take this for real? I'm not sure if you're passionate enough. And every time I struggled and every time I failed, I definitely felt like I wasn't a Christian. And there's no way I could know this God. And I was burnt out and I was exhausted. And I felt like, you know what, it probably is better just to try to be a nice and decent person and just leave this because who can keep up with it? And I was riding around with a pastor we were in his old little minivan, and he just, he just said, Alex, you know, it's like this. It's that when, when you believe in, in, in Christ, he takes all of your story and pays for it, and he gives you all of his. So it's not about how passionate you are. It's not about how much you keep up. It's not about how much you've done and know It's about you living and resting and trusting in who he has been for you and you living in the freedom of that. And even though I had heard all sorts of spiritual things in my life, it was like at that moment it came down. And the call came on my life and I began to realize this is a God I want to know. And that's what Abraham discovered. Have you felt that? Have you known that? Do you know that in a personal way? That the God of creation is not a God that you live up to, but comes down to want to know you personally, to speak into the very moments of your life. That's the call. Secondly, though, there is a radical nature to this call. So in verse 1, God comes with this promise, and he calls Abraham, but he calls him this way, Abraham, go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you. The King James Version probably gives us even a better translation because it just says, get out, leave. Now, what's the significance of this? Look, Abraham was living what we might call a very posh life. Everything was great. It was by worldly standards, a life that you and I would want to know. He had a future, tons of resources. He had a great family. He had a future. He had an income, he had a purpose, everything was going great, and God comes and wrecks the whole thing and tells him that you must get out and go. And where does he want to go? He just says, I'll show you. He says, follow me. Where are we going? I'll tell you. What's it going to be like? I'll show you later. And what the call is doing, it is so radical for us, is it's pressing on 
the idea that you and I have that we're so afraid to give up something in our life that we are sure will actually give us life. See, you've, you've almost never gotten in touch with the call of God unless you've felt the threat that there's something that if you give this up, you'll never taste a good life in this life. And what the call of God will do is to come after that thing, after the thing that you say, yeah, God, I want you, I want your things, I want what you're offering, but this one thing, I've still got to hold on to this. I still kind of want this future. I still kind of want to have this little thought life. I still want to have this little vice. I still want to be able to hold onto this thing in my corner, and I want you. And God says, leave. Walk away from it. See, here's you and I's story that God wants to come and wreck. Most of us want him and we want control. And you know what? When you want faith and control, you're trying to mix two things that will never, ever, ever work. Look, it is indeed a scary thing to follow God and to not know where you're going, but it's a foolish thing to hold on to your life and think you can know where you're going and what's coming. And God calls you all today to let go. Whatever that thing is, where you want him and this thing. There's a great musical several couple years ago called The Greatest Showman. And uh, it's about P.T. Barnum, the inventor of the circus. And uh, towards the end of his life, he's realizing that he can't have fame and fortune and, and popularity and a wife and child. That the two things are not, are not uh, it's not possible to have them both. And he begins to realize this and get in touch with it. And he begins to sing a song. And the line of the song says this, what's waited for tomorrow always starts tonight. Look, the radical call of God is to put that before you. There's, there's so many things in our lives. I remember thinking this, I'll deal with that when I'm in my 20s. And then I said, I'll deal with it when I get married. And then I thought, you know what, I'll deal with it when I have a child. Okay, I'll, I'll deal with it when they're actually comprehensive. You know what, I'll deal with it when they get out of the house and I have time to deal with it. If you went through a pandemic and you didn't have time to deal with it, it's not time or availability. You're putting off tomorrow what needs to start tonight. Now, some of you are like, this is too much. How do I deal with this? Look, this is a sermon about the call of God, but a comment on faith. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, leave your country, get out, and follow me. But if you go to the New Testament, there's a story in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen is preaching. And he says, you know, our father Abraham, the Lord God came to him before Haran in Mesopotamia, which what Stephen says is, you know, when God comes to Abraham here in Genesis 12, this is not the first time. This is maybe the second time that God came to Abraham, which means the first time God came, 
and gave him this radical call, Abraham did not listen. And he did not follow, yet God still came after him. Because faith, look, is a radical call that you and I need to throw off everything that hinders us and everything that gets in our way from embracing the call of God. And you have to know this, faith is always three steps forward and almost two steps back. It's almost always going this way and realizing you haven't gone far enough. It's almost losing something and one week later wanting to desperately come back to it, and that's faith. But you know what it says in verse 9? That Abraham journeyed on. That for you, those of you who have been struggling with something, and you know God calls you to give it up, and you know God says, listen, if you will let go of this, you will really taste my goodness and beauty in a fresh new way. Look, you keep walking You keep journeying on. Don't get bogged down with the idea that you keep struggling with this because that's faith and that's where Abraham will go to. Look, there's a call. It's a radical call. Thirdly, there's a purpose for it. Look, why does God call Abraham this way? He tells us in verse 2. He says, Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. Why? so that you will be a blessing. Look, why does God call Abraham? It's not just for himself. It's not just to meet his own spiritual needs. It's not just to meet him in a time of crisis or to fix the suffering that's going on in his life. He says, I want to know you. I want to meet you personally. Why? Not just for yourself. And man, that is so different from American Christianity. Do you know how we think about Christianity today? We all think about the church and faith like our gardener. We just look at our yard and think, this is a mess. What shall I do? Well, I'll pay somebody to come do this. And we sit in our living room and they come do an amazing work and we go, thank you. Everything looks better. I really appreciate what you did for me. And then we go on in our life. But the reason God ever comes to you is not just for you. It's to come and to change you to be somebody that will do something that will bless somebody else. And you know what? You may never benefit from that. See, the gospel is designed never to be just a private spiritual experience. It's designed to come in your life, turn it over, make you into somebody new so that you can begin to do something great and beautiful in someone else's life. Now, some of us are very attracted to that because we want to live big lives and we want to have a huge impact. But you have to follow how Abraham's impact and blessing was because it wasn't just something that he could taste and benefit from. I mean, God says, I will make you a father of many nations. Do you see how much Abraham saw of that? Nothing. He says, I will show you a land. Abraham never gets there. Look, there's, there's a lot, I'm going to apply this this way. If you've really embraced the call of God, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I doing something to bless this world, my neighborhood, this church, in a way that I may never benefit from? Look, there, there are so many service 
opportunities. There are so many ministries, there are so many things that people need to do, and we almost always say no because we're working through our priorities. And you know how you measure priorities, right? You measure them in terms of impact, in terms of significance for our own lives. But listen, the call of God is to put you into things that you may never, ever see the beauty of. You have no idea. Look, in the New Testament, when you read it, the book of Romans, the book of James, the book of Galatians, all through the Gospels, this guy Abraham is mentioned as a significant part of communicating and helping people for the first time understand the Gospel. You think Abraham had any idea that people 2,000 years later and 1,000 miles away would hear his story and it would change their life and change their community. Because that's the kind of impact that the call of God wants to do in your life. Look, there may be something that you embrace and you follow that may change somebody's life in 50 years on the other side of L.A. County and you'll never see the impact of it. But if you will embrace the call of God and surrender yourself to the blessing that you can be a blessing, there are things you may discover 10,000 years from now in heaven. And realize, I had no idea that when I loved that person that way or I gave up that day or I put that part of my life into those resources, it would do that. But the kingdom of God, it, 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 it's like a mustard seed. You almost can't see it until it grows a harvest years and years, years later. And some of you are like, I, me? I could never do that. It's a great book. You could probably find it in Barnes & Noble called Small Miracles. It tells little amazing stories that people have testified to. There's one about a man uh, who's in Manhattan, was leaving work one night, and he's... Uh, you know, just your average uh, corporate worker, uh, mid-50s, out of shape, short, balding, leaving work late at night and walking by Central Park. And as he's walking towards the subway, he hears a little scream. And he realizes there's somebody who's in trouble. And then he begins to realize it's a woman and something terrible is happening to her. And he thought, what can I do? I'm an older man, I'm not very strong, I might get killed too, I don't know what I should do. He went back and forth for about 10 seconds and decided, you know, I can't walk by this woman. And so he jumps into the bush, and there's a man who's trying to assault this girl. The man is so startled, he jumps up and flees. So the man tries to calm the girl. She thinks now this man is trying to hurt and assault her. And she begins to scream, and he says, honey, calm down. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And he begins to talk to her, and she just says, daddy, is that you? He had saved his own daughter. Here's why I tell you that story. Because you have no idea who is in the bush. And you have no idea if you will jump in what it will do, who it will impact, and how it will help. Because the blessing of the kingdom of God, 
goes further than you can imagine. And that's why God wants to call you. Now last, where do you get the guts to do that? How do you embrace that call and that kind of a call? Look, here's the the book of Genesis thus far in a nutshell. God creates the world and blesses everything and says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. But then Adam and Eve disobey and sin and the fall happens and it's just curses that are pronounced. And every part of this text, almost for the next eight chapters, is just curses, curses, curses. And the best moment is when God meets Noah and gives him a promise. And the height of that promise is basically, I promise I won't curse again. And then you get to Abraham. And the first thing that God says to this man, Abraham, is the first time it's been said since the beginning, is I will bless you. And then he says this in verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse you. And in in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, two observations about this. You begin to read the next section, and you realize how in the world is Abraham a blessing? Because the very next section, what he does is they go to this place, and he realizes, oh, they're going to find my wife attractive. And if they do, they might kill me. So he convinces her to lie that she's his sister and subjects her to all kinds of danger. There's no way that this guy is a blessing. The other thing about that is who of us have really lived a life that's been a, that has really blessed the call of Abraham? All the way through. Who, who of us have truly embraced this call where we've radically thrown off everything, where we've radically put everything away so that we can be a blessing for somebody else? Because almost all of us read that verse in horror and in fear that we have we done enough? <laughs> have, have I really been the blessing or have I been a curse? Have I really embraced this or am I only halfway in? And the danger is, if you go after the call this way, what will happen is you, you will go after that blessing almost always afraid that you're going to get a curse. And you'll never be a blessing to anybody else. But every person that you'll try to have a contact with, you know what? You'll be using them to get something else. You'll be using them to get a blessing, which means people are nothing more than a commodity to you and I. And that in no way is what the world needs. And that's in no way what is blessing and making this world more like heaven. So what do we do? How in the world is this good news? Where do you get the power for this? Well, the Apostle Paul, when he's talking to this church in Galatia, he's talking to people who are feeling the same burden, wondering if they're living up enough, wonder if they've done enough, wonder if they really have the blessing of God. And here's what he says in chapter 3. He says, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his offspring. Scripture does not say, and to his offsprings, meaning many people, but to your offspring, meaning one person who is Christ. Here's what he's saying. 
when God comes and makes this promise and says, I will make you a great father of many peoples. You know who he's talking about. He's not talking about thousands as if Abraham is the one who blesses. He's saying there's somebody who's going to come from you who will be the blessing. There's somebody who will come from you who will really embrace the call, who will really throw off everything that hinders him. Jesus, he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite of grace, and freely gave himself and bled for Adam's race. He gave himself up all the way, left all the riches, left the greatest thing that anybody could have had, and didn't do it for blessing, but only got curse so that you and I could taste the blessing and be blessed. See, here's how you can embrace the call. You look to Jesus. You see him. You come to him. And this is what Paul says. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Believe that and you can receive the call of God. Amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.